My name is Jessica Cox, and my family and I have been attending Rockbridge for nine years, and I have led a ladies' small group for about a year and a half. I was looking for a lady small group that met in the morning, but there wasn't one that met in the morning. And so I really just kept feeling this prompting, well, then you start one. And I really fought it because I'm very much an introvert and pretty shy and really didn't want to start a small group, but that feeling just wouldn't go away. And so I thought, okay, well, I'm going to do it at six in the morning. If <laughs> If this is God, people will show up, <laughs> and they did. And a year and a half later, we're still meeting. And what's awesome about our small group is without the group, we probably wouldn't even be friends. We're all in different seasons of life. Some of us have been married for years and years. Some of us are newly married. Some of us have older kids. Some of us are empty nesters. So we just have just gained a lot of wisdom from each other and parenting, marriage. So it's been great. And this week we actually just started a year-long study of the New Testament. It's been really, really fascinating just the different scriptures that it might speak something to me and then to hear someone else's interpretation. I'm like, oh, I never thought of it that way. So it's interesting to have a group of ladies all camped out in the same passage for a week and then we'll move on to another passage just to hear the different perspectives and what the Lord is speaking to someone else different than what he's speaking to me. If you're thinking about joining a small group, there's small groups that are meeting online if that makes you more comfortable. Uh, some are still meeting in person, but six feet apart. And so I just encourage you to take that step, get plugged in, and I promise it'll change your life. Awesome. It's great to hear Jessica's story, but hey, I just want to welcome all of you, all six of our campuses, Cleveland and Hickson, Ringgold, Dalton, Chatsworth, Calhoun. Thank you for being here. Some of you are tuning in online, Facebook, YouTube, or Rockbridge Online. My name is Matt. However you're watching, however you're engaging, thank you, thank you, thank you for being here. Thank you for uh, tuning in. And hey, I just want to call everybody's attention to uh, an important part of our, our website that you might want to access at some point because of something that we talk about uh, together this weekend. This is just our landing page and our mission statement is to glorify God by connecting people from all walks of life to life in Christ. So this connect tab is incredibly useful, incredibly helpful. There's going to be next steps for you coming out of uh, what we talk about today. And I just want to point this out to you. We've got kids ministry, student ministry, all kind of regathering, relaunching this weekend. And then just a lot of groups and next step, just a great, great tab for you to know about and for you to, to uh, understand. And it's just a great way to let us know how we can help you to connect to what we believe is the best life there is, which is life in Christ, life in Christ. So we kick off a new series today called Something's Missing. And I think all of us, uh, whether it's during the COVID season or not, you've just had times in your life where, I mean, something is missing. You know, you forgot your phone, something's missing. I feel naked without my phone, something's missing. College football, something's missing, right? Uh, but I'm, when, I, when we talk about something's missing in, in this sense, we, we are not talking about a predictable future. We are not talking about a vaccine to the coronavirus. We are talking about something much more core to who you are, much more core to how God designed you, and much more foundational to God's purposes for the universe. So this is big. 
This is big. And, and I'm discovering this. It's, it's where our culture is, where our nation is. We're, we're in what a lot of people call post-Christian America. That, that America in general has moved sort of past our, our historical Judeo-Christian roots. And so when we say something's missing, what I'm going to talk about today is not on a lot of people's radar. And for some of you even listening, this is not even on your radar. And when I, when I say it, when we reveal it, when we understand it, uh, for some of you, I hope it's an aha moment. I, I really do hope it's an aha moment. For others of you, you may be a little bit skeptical. You may be a little bit unsure. I hope, though, it causes you to at least lean in and engage with this critical thing of what could be the missing link for you, complete the puzzle, complete the help you on your journey. And so it gets me fired up for us to turn together in God's Word and to start to discover what's missing. And we're going to be in the book of the Bible called Romans, Romans chapter 12. If you're like a kid listening, engaging, you're online or you're here, you've got a worship guide. So what is the main passage we're talking about today? You can just write down Romans 12, and then eventually we're going to see what this missing piece is in our lives. So Paul is going to lay a foundation first, and that foundation is going to set us up for this missing link, this missing piece. So let me read Romans 12.1. He says, therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, so in light of what God ha has done in not giving us what we deserve, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true Worship. This is how you give worth back to God, how you express gratitude to God as you present your bodies to him because of his mercies to us. So the foundation of Christianity, if you will, is mercy, that God showed us mercy. God showed us something, gave us something, offered us something that he did not have to do, that we did not deserve. And, and like a great definition of mercy is an attribute of God that causes his goodness and compassion to confront human suffering, sin, and guilt. You, you've had this question asked of you. Maybe you've even asked this question. Here's the question. How could God or how could a loving God, depending on how they ask it or you've asked it, send anybody to hell? Paul essentially reverses that question and says, how could God allow anybody into heaven unless he's merciful? Right? Unless he's merciful. Think about all the things that, you know, we, we get kept out of or we're told we can't enter into. Right? Think about you, you go to buildings now and they have these signs about all these symptoms of COVID-19. And if you've seen this and had this and experienced this in the last 12 days or five days or been around this person for at least 15 minutes, you can't come in. A lot of us think that's what heaven's like. There's like a keep out sign if you have, if you've done this, if you've experienced this, if you've gone through this, there's like this big keep out sign. A lot of you, a lot of times we think of the church. If you've done this, if you've gone through this, there's kind of like this keep out sign. And, and what mercy says is there's no keep out sign. There's an all or welcome sign because God is merciful. So the foundation of where we're going is the mercy of God. And, and Paul pushes it. He says, mercy causes us to make ourselves available to God. He says, present your bodies to God. So in view of God's mercies, we want to make ourselves fully available to God. Now, a lot of us are like, well, what does that mean? 
And, and, and what Paul's about to talk about, this something missing, is maybe not what you think because it, it's sort of scary to make yourself fully available, fully surrendered, fully yielded to anyone, much less a merciful God. Because you think, man, if I make myself fully available to God, I'm going to have to give up X or I'm going to have to start giving more money or I'm going to have to start doing this or this. So all of us tend to make ourselves less available than the mercy of God requires and demands and asks of us. But in this particular case, Paul is going to talk about a specific form of, avi- of availability. Now, to understand that, let me tell you a great American temptation and a great tendency that you and I have, okay? You and I have a tendency to want to over-personalize and over-individualize God's mercy, In fact, we'll say things like this. I have my relationship with God. God's mercy is for me. I'm okay. I'm good. God has done this for me. And you tend to start to look at God as an individualized cosmic vending machine. And that God, because God has been good to you, or God is good, or God is merciful, then his mercy is for me. And how can God help me? And how can God bless me? And how will God take care of this for me? And we tend to put a period here. Now, I'm going to tell you, God's mercy is for you. There's nobody I'm speaking to, nobody that's listening, nobody that's watching that God's mercy is not for you. So you can say this is true, but I just don't want you to put a period there. It's really God's mercy is for me and there should be a comma because there's something else coming. There's something else that we have to get to. And if we don't get to this, if we just stop at God's mercy is for me, period, and we don't put a comma there, there's going to be something missing in your life, in your journey, and it could have grave consequences and you can miss out on a whole host of God's plans and God's purposes. So Paul then goes and says, okay, I want to push this even further. And he says, look, I don't want you to be conformed to this age, the age you live in. So I don't want you to look like culture, think like culture, think like your society. For some of us, this would be, I I can't think like my biological family thinks. I I can't approach it that way. So he says, I want you to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So we've got to think differently so that you and I may discern, figure out, understand what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. And he's going to talk about that. And, and there's probably not f- too many people who haven't said, man, what does God do? And what's God's got good, pleasing, and perfect will? And, and so Paul is pushing us and pushing us, and he wants to push us past the conforming of the age. And so I'm thinking about this. And I'm like, what is this age when we think about what the good life is, the best life is, what is, the, what is the word that comes to mind? Or what is something that comes to mind? And I think for a lot of us, and I was listening to another pastor out of Atlanta talk about this, I think for a lot of us, the word is autonomy. God would bless me, give me greater autonomy. If God threatens my autonomy or asks for me to give up control, I sort of get mad at God. I sort of push God away, right? And, and what we have to understand to understand what's missing is this. We are not created for nor are we saved for autonomy, nor are we blessed by it either. And we can go all the way back to the Garden of Eden where it says, God, God said, let us, talking about himself, God exists as a community, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, let us make man in our own image. So we were never intended to be individualistic or individually autonomous because then God comes back and says, it's not good for man to be alone. And then he says to the couple, he says, be fruitful, so make more people like you and go fill the earth with more people like you. 
and on and on and on it goes. So we're not created to be autonomous, but yet most of us, when we look at our lives and maybe we look at how our lives line up with God, here's what we want. We want to do what we want, or I want, when I want to do it, and I want to have enough money to do it. And if not, then we get bitter, frustrated, cynical, suspicious, atheistic, whatever you want. You just, you get something because you and I just sort of are wired. We think we should be autonomous. Adam and Eve wanted to be autonomous from God's one little tiny restriction that kept them under his authority, right? And and so we push against the grain and we just want to do what I want, when I want, and have enough money to do it. And if not, somebody's to blame. It's God's fault. It's they. It's the government's fault. It's the left people, the conservative people. It's the masked people, the non-masked people. And that's where it boils down to, right? But we're not created for that. There's something better than that. And if we're not careful, we will lean too much in our desire to be individualistic, autonomous people, and something will be missing because we'll just say, hey, my faith is for me. My faith is for me. And this is the fear it feels like as we read verse 3. This seems to be what Paul is pushing against before he unveils the missing link, the missing puzzle piece. Because notice what he says here. He says, in view of God's mercy, we present ourselves to God, make ourselves available to him. We think differently than the age we live in, the age of the individual, the age of the autonomous. And then he says this, for by the grace given to me, So, yeah, God's grace is for you as an individual. I tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he should think. Instead, think sensibly, reasonably, logically, theologically, as God has distributed a measure of faith to each one, to each individual. So, again, he's saying the tendency is to stop at me. But he says, no, 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 I, I don't want you to make a big deal out of you. I don't want your faith to be, to be dead-ended on you. I don't want your Christianity to just be so private and so personal. You miss part of God's plan. You miss part of God's purpose. But the age we live in, how we're raised, all of our heroes, you know what all of our heroes have in common? We look at them and we're like, man, if I had what they had, I could do what I want when I wanted, and I'd have enough money to do it. Isn't that true? All the people you see on People Magazine, everybody's like, wow, I wish I had what they had. I wish I had their body. I wish I had their paycheck. I wish I had their house. I wish I had their boat because then I could do what I want to do when I want to do it, and I'd have enough money to. And then you start thinking, here's why I don't. And you get frustrated. You get bitter. You get cynical. And God's like, whoa, time out, time out, time out, time out, time out, time out, time out. You're thinking too much about you as the dead end, and, and there's something more, and there's something missing. And there's something I don't want you to, I don't want you to miss this. I don't want to miss this in God's plan for you and for God's plan for the future. And then in verse five, four and five, Paul unveils it. Here's what he says. He says, now as we, what did we just do? We shifted from me to we. You see that shift? Grace to me. We. What's he talking about? No, 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 I'm an American. I got my individual rights. I got my individual agenda. I got my plan. I got my pursuit of happiness. God's got to bless me. No, 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 we, 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 we. Now, as we have many parts in one body, and he starts making an analogy that we, 
are all part of a body. And all the parts do not have the same function. In the same way, we who are many are one body in Christ and individually we're members of one another. So all the little me's, the me, the me, the me is part of God's big we. And individually we belong to each other. We belong to each other. I didn't say that. Paul said that. Jesus created this. So, so most of us, you know, we were, most of us are great about asking this question, what about me? Paul would say, but don't forget about asking, what about we? What about we? And, and I'm, I'm just honest, our age, our nation is not great at this. We encourage this first question big time. Your, your, your selfish bent, my selfish bent, your sinful bent encourages this big time. And that's why Paul says, hey, 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 listen, 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 listen. If you want in on the good, on the perfect will of God, you got to think differently than the age you live in. Some of you, you got to think differently than how you were raised. You were raised never to ask for help. You were raised never to show weakness. You were raised to, you know, that if, if you can't do it, it shouldn't be done. Pick yourself up and fix yourself. Pick yourself up and make something of yourself. All those posters, you know, our kids hang in their rooms. All of those people, they're our heroes. Why? Because they can do what they want, when they want, and have enough money to pay for it. And Paul's like, time out, time out, time out, time out. That is not what Jesus is up to. That is not what Jesus is trying to bless. Because there's a we, and you're connected to it. And so Paul is is making a major, major statement. That one thing that happened when you and I put our faith in Jesus Christ is we got connection or connected to a we, to a community. You're like, well, you know, I I didn't know that. So when you put your faith in Jesus, you know what some things that happened? God forgave you for everything you've ever done wrong against him. Forgave you. He put all that payment, all that debt you and I have incurred, he put that on his son. That happened to you. He writes your name in a book, proverbially or actually, but you're his forever. You're part of him. And he's part of a community called the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he automatically, by his mercy, included you, adopted you, placed you into his family his we, which is the church. That's what happened. So, so all the people, listen, all the people you were saying, hey, I don't need church. Where did we find that in the word of God? Where do you find that in the heart of God? Where do you find that in the plan of God? Only place you find that is in this age we live in that tells you you don't need the church. That's a satanic lie. All those people you bump into and say, hey, I just don't believe in organized religion. Do you know your body is pretty organized? Your human body? Go ask your doctor. Hey, how organized is the the human body? Because it's highly organized. It's highly interdependent, right? Can you just walk around and say, man, I just don't need my liver today. I don't think I need it. Don't need my liver, you know? You know what? Today, I just don't need my heart. Today, I'm going to operate without my right arm. We, nobody thinks like that. But we do, as, we do as American Christians, don't we? 
And our age encourages it. Our age says, hey, you want to grow up and be able to do what you want, when you want to do it, and have enough money to pay for it. And if not, get mad at somebody. God says, no, 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 that's not my plan. That's not my plan at all. I saved you from your sins, and I placed you into a body called the Universal Forever Church, expressed and lived out locally where I've pushed you, put, placed you on my planet. That's God's plan all along. All along, that's God's plan. Because see, here, here's the truth, okay? Some of you are sitting out here listening to me, watching, and you're like, man, I just don't feel like God's watched out for me. I don't feel like God's provided for me. I don't feel like God's taken care of me. I don't feel like God's blessed me. Something's missing. Here's the truth. So many of God's blessings and so much of God's provisions flow from the we, all of us, to me. And they also flow from me to we. I mean, my arm gets blessed, right? My left arm gets blessed by my right arm when I have a scratch. My left arm gets blood through my circulatory system. You know what? But my left arm can bless my right arm and vice versa. And it's the same concept that Paul's talking about. I, I, I was walking out of a store in one of our communities the other day. This guy yelled at me. said, hey, Matt, hey, Matt, hey, Matt. I was like, hey, I recognize him. How you doing? Here's what he said. Here's what he said. Okay? And, I, and I've heard this so many times. I need to get back in church. Why is that an impulse? A Holy Spirit, Word of God, backed impulse because something's missing if I'm not acting in the reality of my salvation which includes a divine connection to a local community a local we I've, I've never heard anybody say this <laughs> all my problems started when I started coming to church never heard that I have never heard. I'm not saying the church is perfect. I'm going to talk about that in a second. But I've never heard that. I have never. I have heard. <sighs> I got disconnected. And discouragement went to depression. And confusion went to chaos. And marital health went to marital decline. I've heard that. Because uh, here, here's the truth, Okay. God's in the blessing business. God's in the providing business. God's in the I have plans for my people business. But we cannot experience the fullness of God's goodness without being fully connected to his community. No if, no ands, no buts. Cannot, cannot, cannot do it. Just can't. You know, and I, and I was thinking about this, and I started thinking about my life. And I, I just encourage you to do this. If, if, if you're in church now or, or have been in church or, or, or whatever, and some of you I know have not, and you're just coming here and kicking out the tires, and that's great. I just want you to hear my story, okay? I started this afternoon as I was praying and thinking uh, about this weekend's message. <clears throat> I started thinking. I was like, hmm, how has God and his goodness come to me through his community? And after about three minutes, I just sat there and was like, thank you, God. I mean, I, I, was, I was eight years old, and I, I, I put my faith in Jesus. And the church gave me a little discipleship kit called a survivor's kit. That's what it's called. 
And I worked through that, and it taught me of what it meant to have a relationship with Jesus. That same church then baptized me. I, can rem- I don't know why I remember this. I remember changing my clothes after I was, I was soaking wet, going back in this little Sunday school room, and changing my clothes after I was baptized because I knew something significant had just happened. I remember that. I, I, I was a youth, and, and I needed godly role models, and my youth group gave them to me. I remember the name and how he impacted my life of my fifth grade small group leader. My eighth grade small group leader. I can tell you what they taught me that I still draw on to this day. I remember summers when our church used to send youth to camps and stuff like we love to do at Rockbridge. And I remember sitting like in the middle and I was paying attention. I think because she was a good looking lady. I don't know. It was middle school, right? But I paid attention and she taught me how to have a quiet time, how to have time with God. I'm 45. If you could say, Matt, what's the most impactful thing on your journey with God? I would say the fact that when I was in seventh grade, somebody taught me how to spend time with God. Period. Yeah, I've been to college. I've been to seminary. Period. A 40-minute, 30-minute lecture on how to have time with God. The church gave me that. I met my wife through the church. This church took care of us when we had leukemia and had to relocate. Beth to New York City to get the treatment she needed. And I could go on and on and on and on. And, and then I, started, I, stopped, I, was, I just read a, read a book called Unimaginable, Unimaginable by Jeremiah Johnson. And you know, what he talks about is, what if the world didn't have Christianity? And it's profound what he's said. He starts off the book with an introduction and says, look, Life Magazine rated the top 100 important events of the last thousand years. Top 100. You think real quick. What would you type it in the chat room? What do you think? I mean, some of it was, you know, Adolf Hitler. It's an important event, right? The number one of Life Magazine rated thing of the last thousand years is when Gutenberg printed the Bible because the Bible began to open up people's eyes for how and what God was doing in the world. It became accessible to people. And let me just read, let me just read a quote. Even, one, even an atheist, who, who Richard Dawkins is his name, he's not positive about Christianity, but here's what he admitted. He said, listen, I have mixed feelings about the supposed decline of Christianity. Because Christianity might be a shield against something far worse. And then Johnson goes on and he says this. He says, look, God has always brought good through the faith of his children. Listen, he says, look, ideas that we're talking about today, ideas about justice, equality, mercy, democracy, education, and the protection of the vulnerable were absent from society until people began living with a sense of God's presence. That's historical. Why is that? Because God works through a we. God's goodness flows through his people. God's goodness flows through his community. Now, let me stop. Because there's probably two groups of people that are maybe pushing back about what I'm saying. First, some of you have experienced pain because of the church. Churches hurt you. I've heard those stories too, and I'm not trying to pretend they don't exist. I, I, I want to say something. I've been hurt by the church, okay? 
I've hurt people acting in my capacity as one of the leaders of the church. And if we've hurt you at Rockbridge, would you let us apologize, seek forgiveness and reconciliation? But if, if you're here and, and you're like, man, I, I'm just so hesitant to, uh, to do this connection thing, Matt, because the last time I was connected, I, it was like I got shocked by the church. And, and I, I just want to give you, I just want to give you a word, okay, not to give up because the pain caused by church will never overcome God's grace to and through the church. It, it just never, it, it won't. And you and I, we need grace. We need mercy. I mean, Paul started with mercy, right? Mercy, get God doing things we don't deserve, giving us things we don't deserve. And, and so I don't want to cut myself off from God's grace. I, I don't want to be sitting five years from now and saying, man, God, where have you been? Man, God, why didn't you, why didn't you? And, and, and God's saying, I've given you and put you into the church. And there's another group of people. And, and, and you're sort of like, well, man, I just don't feel it. I just don't feel like it. Okay? I just don't feel like I need that. Or I just don't, I, I, you know, worship feels a little dry. I mean, I'm not getting much out of the messages. I'm not, I, let, me, let me say this. The most important time to get connected to the church is when you don't feel like it. It's like my boys. They don't feel like taking baths and showers. I've discovered this. One, they're both in that boy funk stage, right? Starts about middle school where they just stank, right? I've discovered that when they don't feel like taking a bath is when they most need to take a bath. So you know what we do? We take a bath. A lot of times, if you're not feeling something, that is actually an alarm that you need to lean in. You need to press in. God's got something for you. And if you cut yourself off from one of the channels of his grace, that is dangerous to you. That is dangerous to you. It reminds me of a story that comes out of the Old Testament, story of King David. And uh, there, was a, there was a time in, in David's life where he was just not where he was supposed to be. And everything goes downhill after that. First Samuel, 2 Samuel 11. In the spring of the year, when kings normally go out to war, there's a place the king is supposed to be fighting with his troops. David sent Joab and the Israelite army to fight the Ammonites. However, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. Where was David? Let's think of an adjective for David. Isolated, disconnected, disengaged, not part of where God wanted his king to be. Late one afternoon, after his midday rest, David got out of bed, was walking on the roof of the palace. As he looked out over the city, he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. He sent someone to find out who she was, and he was told she is Bathsheba. Then David sent messengers to get her, and when she came to the palace, he slept with her. If you read 2 Samuel 11 forward, let me tell you what flows out of this. Death, family dysfunction, civil war. Now, now, how could we have prevented that? David wasn't where he was supposed to be. So I want to leave us with a question. See, 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 I know this. I know this about me. I know this about you, okay? You and I don't need any help asking this question. Hey, what's in it for me? David asked that question. 
He goes, I'm the king. There's a beautiful woman. I got guys out there fighting. She's for me. You don't need any help asking, what about me? None. Zip, zero, nada. The age we live in encourages you to ask, what's in it for me? What about me? How can I be autonomous and get what I want when I want it and have enough money to pay for it? You don't need any help with that. I don't need help with that. There's a better question. And I just want to ask you to place it over your life right now. Here's the question. Am I where I am supposed to be? In light of the fact that God has created a community, at the moment of my salvation, the reality is I am connected to that community. I am part of a body. I can never say I don't believe in organized I don't believe you need the church. I can never say that with biblical integrity. My, some of you don't even believe everything in the Bible. That's okay. But doesn't your soul long to belong? Don't, don't you long to be part of something? It's a desire for community. And so you have to ask this question, am I where I am supposed to be? If David had asked that question, Look what would have been prevented. There are answers to some of your prayers that you're not getting because you are not where you are supposed to be, which is connected to the bride of Christ, connected to the body of Christ, to God's we, his church. So I, I just want to give you some handlebars. We're going to be very practical this weekend all across Rockbridge and, and show you some opportunities you have to be more connected or to get fully connected or fully engaged in our church. And, and for some of you, listen, you're like, I, I, hey, I just need to know, I just need to navigate. I just, how do I plug in? How do I become a member? How do I learn what's out there? RB360 is your stopping point. It's like a, it's like a hub. It will orient you 360 degrees, and you can just go to that. And, and your campus pastors and the hosts, the teachers, love to help you, okay? But we're launching a bunch of small groups and, and just so excited because there's so many things about being connected that you can't do sitting in rows. You got to do them in circles and you got to see people eye to eye and heart to heart and know how to love them, know how to pray for them, know how to serve them. So just you can go to robberies.cc, find my group. We've got some groups that we're launching 100% on Zoom. So if you're like, hey, I'm not sure about getting in, out in groups yet, that's great. That's no problem. We've got a, a finance group called I Was Broke, Now I'm Not, a marriage enrichment, sacred marriage, a group about the race issue and how uh, oneness that we have in Christ. So if you're curious about Rockbridge and race, the Bible and race, fantastic study called Oneness, okay? We've got a, a Bible study on the Beatitudes and then another uh, Bible study right there. If you just, hey, I just want to get more in the Bible. So these are all on Zoom all open and, and you're welcome to sign up and then there's a thing we're launching called d groups d groups are like, hey i've just got two or three people in my life and we just want to kind of get together encourage one another hold one another accountable got a resource for that at a, and you can email discipleship at robbers.cc love to help you with that if you have any questions okay just hey three or four people grab coffee once a week twice a month and, uh, and just go over what god's doing in our life and encourage pray and hold each other accountable and, and then there's another group that I want to talk about. I'm excited about this, okay? And we're calling it Rockbridge at Home. I, I understand we're in a pandemic. 
I understand there's some people I'm not comfortable yet, not sure yet, still want to watch things yet. But hey, but, but, hey the, God's purpose for the church and God's blessings through the church haven't changed he still needs you to be connected. So what we're saying is, look, if, if you're in a neighborhood and you're comfortable around three or four of your close friends or three or four of your relatives, or you want to just say, hey, I'm going to sit out on my deck, deck as it comes fall, or I'm going to do driveway or garage church, we want to help you with that. And in fact, I don't know if some of you remember when we were doing the Stronger Together signs, we mailed a sign to Texas because somebody's watching us from Texas. Well, if you're from Texas or you're from Ecuador or you're somewhere not in our six city region, look, you can grab some of your buddies that you're comfortable with, bring them in, and, and we'll resource you to have a Rockbridge service with kids stuff, with student stuff, with small group stuff in your home. And we'll serve you that way because we want no one to miss out on the blessings, the plan, and the purposes of God because they're not connected. Because all of us have to ask, am I where I am supposed to be? I'm supposed to be connected. Now, some of you, maybe some of you, just need God's mercy. And today's the day you say, God, I need you to be my Lord and Savior. I, I, I don't want to get what I deserve. I want to get better than I deserve. Jesus is my king. The church is my we. Heaven is my home. Ask the question and then take a step toward the answer. Am I? where I am supposed to be. At all of our campuses right now and our online uh, audience, we're, our, your, your pastors are going to come up. They're going to continue to give you some great next steps, some great ways to get connected. We don't want anybody to miss out on the power and the purpose of this amazing thing called the people of God, His church.